Hi everybody, the complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I'm going to talk about something that I, I know I've never specifically brought up before, and this is regarding comorbidity in regards to mental health. So when there's more than one thing going on, in regards to specifically, I'm going to just talk about myself and use myself as a a test dummy here, but in regards to complex PTSD and when you have more than one thing going on, because I truly believe that I do, um, I will, however, point out there's one thing in particular I've asked therapists over a 20 plus year period, because I've been in therapy since I was 16, um, There's one particular thing that I have asked more than once by professionals. Um, I've asked them if I have this certain things and they've always said no. And that's one thing that I'm going to get to. Um, The other thing, which I've never asked about before, I have brought up to therapists, but I've never asked them, does this mean I have something else going on in relation to it? And I'm going to get to that too, because they're really important. They're what I'm discussing here. This may be one of the more interesting episodes you'll ever hear on this podcast, and this may be the the only time I ever discuss this, because this is a super personal, I would say, a a little bit embarrassing mental type thing that I have going on, and I, I would say it's very different from my complex PTSD. And by the way, you may hear a little bit of noise in the background, and I apologize for that, um, my neighbors are doing something right now. So there's a little bit of noise in the background. Um, they're doing laundry. Um, but anyway, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do it while it was fresh on my mind. So again, I apologize if you do hear any noise in the back. Um, so I I wanted to talk about things. The very first time I ever admitted this was when I was in the mental hospital when I was 21. Um, I had gotten to my school counselor at that time, I was in college at a university, and I had told her plans of how to harm myself. And so she had to call an ambulance, and I rode the ambulance to the mental hospital, and I was there for like a week or two weeks. I think it was over a week. I think it was like eight days. I don't know how. I can't remember. This was 20 years ago, 21 years ago now. Um, it be 21 years this fall. But the... Um, one of the things that I brought up to this, the counselor when I was in the mental hospital, so I want to set the scenario. Um, that was a, a very, very low point in my life, obviously, when you're, you realize you're probably going to be dropping out of college, which I did. I dropped out at that time. I ended up going back. But, you know, when you think that you have your life kind of together for the first time and I was only in in college about for two months. It was October of 2003. And, um, you know, I had gotten there that August, moved into, it was off, well, I can't even remember now, but it was like college apartment buildings is where I was living. I had two roommates. And, you know, I, I was there. I had friends there and we would party all the time in St. Louis. Um, it was a university near St. Louis. And it wasn't in St. Louis, but it was near there. And that's mostly what we did. We partied. Um, We just partied too much. I still did not have my bearings with how to apply myself in school. 
at that point, I had not taken my college success skills class, which I've told you before. It taught me how to take better notes and how to learn better, and I got A's after I took that class. I had not yet taken that class. I think I took that class maybe the next spring at a community college after I dropped out of this university. Um, but so basically, I was at a very low point, right? You're in a mental hospital. Um, you're away from home, you know, and it just wasn't good. I wasn't able to keep anything organized. It was terrible. And at this time, I said something to this therapist that I told her, um, and I won't say specifically a certain thing that I I believe about myself. And I hate to admit it, but I, from time to time, I still do believe this for certain reasons. But I basically said to this therapist that I believe I have... Um, I don't even know how to word it in a certain way, but I believe that I have, that I'm powerful. Um, and I'll just leave it at that, that the world is calling me to be powerful. And I'm going to get more into more detail about what, what I mean by that. Um, but I, I basically implied, you know, I feel um, superior, meaning in a way that there's something special about me and things will go my way. Um, and this sometimes can be thought of as a superiority complex. And I want to explain to you why that makes perfect sense. Because I was at the lowest point at that time. I was 21. So out of all of my life, it was probably the lowest point in my whole life because I had no control whatsoever because I was in a hospital, right? Um, I couldn't even have shoelaces or a belt or coffee. I was in a mental hospital. And a superiority complex usually comes from when you're concealing your feelings of inferiority. And I've talked to you guys before about my, my biggest trigger is feelings of incompetence. So clearly, you know, I was in this place of feeling completely hopeless and I created something that I honestly think I had before I was even in the hospital. And it's almost like a backup plan for survival. But, and it, it has similar qualities to, I would say, schizophrenia, but it's it's very different from schizophrenia. Because um, I used to wonder if I had that when I was younger. But schizophrenia is something very different. Um, so I don't want to confuse the two. Um, but the... I basically was developing what I would call a superiority complex-ish. It was in that realm. Um, but again, it was coming from concealing feelings of inferiority. You know, I know that now as an adult when I think more rationally about it. Um, I've also told you guys before, I had wondered for years if I had dissociative identity disorder, which has a lot of similar qualities to things that can come from trauma like complex PTSD. Um, again, I, I like I've said, I, I never knew what complex PTSD was. I'd never heard of it until I was diagnosed with it. I knew what PTSD was for sure, but I didn't know what complex PTSD was. And dissociative identity disorder, it used to be called multiple personality disorder, or at least the two things are very overlapping. Um, it also has some similar qualities to certain aspects of borderline personality disorder, which one of my closest friends at the time, 
definitely had that. Um, had all the symptoms, had all the reasons for why she would have it. Um, so I was in that kind of zone. I was in that neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so that's a key part of what I want to talk about here is comorbidity. So for somebody like me with complex PTSD, comorbidity of feelings of maybe grandeur or feelings of a higher power being part of who I am. And I don't mean a God complex. So I, I looked up, you know, I was trying to find the right way to word this properly. Um, I don't have a God complex. I don't think I'm God. Um, that's a huge undertaking. I don't know why anybody would ever want to think that they're God. Um, and maybe I'm looking at the term God complex the wrong way. Um, but I've never thought that I was God. Um, but I would say that there's been certain things that have happened, even, you know, when I've had dreams and when I've had these weird things happen, so-called coincidences of things that are synchronized, in my opinion, um, that specifically have to do with religion. Like I told you with Barton Stone, the guy that I wrote my paper about, and also Elihu Wolcott, he was a religious leader. And I truly believe that he was the backbone of what would become the party of Abraham Lincoln, the Republican Party, which would lead to the emancipation of slaves. Um, that was all a religious movement. I've said before on here, I think the United States Civil War was a, it was a religious war. It was like spiritual warfare is what I think it was. If you look at what was actually leading that war, a lot of it was church groups. It was religion. If you look at slave autobiographies, it was religion is what was really guiding them to emancipate. Um, it was that emancipation, that mindset. A lot of that went back to Christianity. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm somebody who doesn't even like go to church. Like I'm not Bible thumping or anything here. I'm just saying that's what I think it was. I wrote my whole college capstone paper on that it was on uh, Barton Stone and his movement into that uh, arena, I guess you could say. The break from predestination is what Barton Stone was all about. Um, but there's just been certain things like that where there's been these weird things that have... I would say jumped into the zone of that possible comorbidity of, I don't know if feelings of grandeur is even the right term, but um, feelings of something special going on, um, you know, something, and you might be laughing and saying, oh yeah, you're special, all right. Um, but no, I mean like something um, otherworldly is going on here. Um, and the, the older I've gotten, you know, the more I, I've been able to be rational about it and not be impulsive with it, um, and not just go absolutely crazy with it. Um, you know, eventually you kind of learn how to rein it in when you meet other people and they've had similar experiences with clairvoyance or whatever it may be. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to mention on here besides superiority complex is inferiority complex because I would say that that is something that I've dealt with as well. 
So again, I've never been diagnosed with these things. And the one thing, I've never been diagnosed with a superiority complex or an inferiority complex. I definitely feel a lot of the times unworthy of certain things. Like maybe I've gotten myself to maybe a top of a totem pole and I'd rather be in the middle of a totem pole um, regarding work sometimes. Um, like maybe I, I jumped ahead of myself in certain aspects, which I think can come from feelings of inferiority. You want to prove that you can do something. And then once you get there, it's like, oh boy, do I really want to be here? Um, you know, it's kind of like you're, you get to the top and then you have to stay at the top. Um, you know, but that very much sometimes can feel like you're wearing a mask. Um, and I wanted to point out that the one thing that I've asked more than one therapist, more than one licensed therapist who I see regularly, even the person that I see now, the counselor I see every two weeks, I actually see her tomorrow. And I've talked about her. I talked about this with her as well. Um, you know, I've specifically asked people, therapists, do you think that I'm a narcissist for feeling these ways? Literally thinking that there's like, there's a higher special thing going on with me. Like, and I don't, I don't want to actually say what I think it is because I've said it before and I think it would scare people. Um, and again, I don't think I'm God, but you know, I've, I've asked them, do you think I'm a narcissist? And they always shake their head and they're like, no, you are not a narcissist. And, you know, for whatever reason, they think that. Um, and I, I do think that they're right. I agree with them. But it always makes me wonder because I am, um, I would say I have it in my DNA um, without giving away too much. Uh, there's definitely a, an abusive narcissist in my, in my bloodstream. Um, so I, I would say I inherited that, that there's something in there. It's maybe it's lying dormant, but it's in my DNA. It's in my blood. Right. Um, so it's, it's in there somewhere, even if, you know, I might not have the qualities of one, I think it's in my, my DNA. Um, and so, you know, these people, who are licensed have told me more than one person has said, no, we do not think that you're a narcissist. And I, again, I think they're right. I just, I think I have the fear because I know it's, it's running in my blood. Like it's, it's in there. Um, because it's, it's inherited. Like I, I personally think it's inherited. Um, I think it can also be not inherited and somebody can just develop it from abuse. Um, but I think it's a very, it's a very tricky thing. Um, and, you know, cause sometimes I think, well, I, I do a podcast where I talk about myself all the time. Um, isn't that narcissistic? But I mean, I, I do it, you know, partly because I, I want other people to have somebody to relate to who's not an a psychological medical professional because I do not consider myself to be a professional in the world of psychology. I don't have my degree in that. And that's why I always state I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. Um, but I also wanted to point out that that is a thing that I, I have asked numerous times 
do I have narcissistic personality disorder? Am I a narcissist? And they always say no. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a relief. Um, you know, cause I've, I've wondered that. And one reason I think that they're accurate on that is because I don't think, I don't think I would be in a position where I'm so vulnerable if I was a narcissist. I think if I was a narcissist, one, I, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I would be out controlling somebody to worship me, or I would be out abusing somebody in order to make sure that I'm always taken care of. And then I wouldn't have to be independent or be vulnerable because being independent is very vulnerable, by the way. Um, I don't, I think that I would have already 20 years ago, um, I were to completely manipulated somebody to be at my beck and call or to just give me everything I ever wanted. I would have done every, anything to get everything I ever wanted and not feel the hopeless depression that I still feel a lot of times today. I would have handled that a long time ago if I was a narcissist. That would have been taken care of. I would have done anything possible to get rid of those feelings. So that's one big reason why I agree with therapists that I am not a narcissist. Um, is for those reasons. A narcissist would have dealt with that a long time ago. Um, and they wouldn't have cared who, who they had to use to get there either. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, I will say in regards to the superiority complex, like I said, I think that that can come from concealing feelings of inferiority. That's what a su superiority complex is. Um, and I do think that it's a protection type thing. Like it's a way of self-preservation, which can lead to very much delusional thinking about yourself to the point of, I would say, um, almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. So whenever you're in that state of self-preservation, I would say that that's how it feels. It's very, um, you go from one to the other. And I might not be explaining that quite right, because when people hear Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, they think of something maybe very different from what I'm trying to explain. But that's, that's what I think of in my mind, is those two characters. Um, and particularly after the event happened, so I've talked to you guys about the event that happened in 2017, that alone was so, I would say, not just traumatizing, but so life-altering that I've told you guys, I've, I literally gave up on the human race. I stopped caring about, I just stopped trusting human beings. I, I literally looked at everybody very different after that happened because I was, I was in such a state of shock as to the way people were behaving, I just thought, wow, um, nothing's worth it. Like it, it was so life altering that it didn't just turn my wool upside down. It turned me upside down to where, you know, I surprisingly, um, it was also the lowest point in my life too. And I've talked to you guys about that. That's when I wrote the play. Um, I ended up the next year in 2018, it was also the same year I lost my job because of the budget cuts. 
Um, and I had moved back to North Carolina and everything, everything crazy happened all at the same time, of course. Um, cause that's how life works. But the, um, it, it changed me. So whenever I say Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, um, I used to be somebody else before the event happened and I'm, I'm not that person anymore. That's like, I'm no longer that naive, um, fun loving person. I can still be very fun loving whenever I want to be. Um, but I'm not the same naive, fun loving, um, innocent person that I was before that happened. I had a lot more hope before that happened and I'm still hopeful now because I'm very tenacious. I'm very like I'm very persistent and I'm very much a cat with nine lives, you know, scratching its way up the side of a castle wall. Um, I have that in my blood as well because I come from people who survived really wild things back in the 1500s. Um, but you know, I have that tenacity in there, um, to build myself back up. And I talked recently about how I recently realized after doing some studying that I'm a creative thinker or a critical thinker, um, cause I'm, I'm very creative. I'm always thinking of new ways to fix things and solve problems. I've, I've been a problem solver for a very long time. I always knew that, um, but I didn't know that I was actually a critical thinker and that's what a problem solver is. Um, I'm definitely not a logical thinker, which I already explained that in another podcast. I'm not logical at all. Um, but I am a critical thinker, which has probably saved my life because if I wasn't a critical thinker, I don't know where I would be. I, I have no clue. Um, I wouldn't be where I am now. I can tell you that, but I, I'm able to figure things out and solve things. Um, but I would say in a lot of ways, like I said, the concept of feeling like you have a superiority complex as well as possibly an inferiority complex, I do feel like I have those two things coinciding together with my complex PTSD. So that's the point of this whole podcast. I wanted to share that with you. I feel like I have a superiority complex and an inferiority complex coinciding and that's, those are the things that make me feel like a Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, it's having two faces. Um, I don't want to say I'm two faced, but I'm saying, I feel like I have an alter ego. And I think that he comes from when I'm at my most desperate, he developed in order to save me. Um, so that's what I'm trying to say here. And I'm, I'm completely rational right now as I say all this. I know that a lot of this might sound crazy, um, but I'm just, I want to be as transparent as possible because I think it's very important in order to figure out a s solutions to things in regards to mental health. So if I was a psychotherapist or if I was a psychologist or if I was a psychiatrist or a mental health professional, I wouldn't be sitting here saying these things to you because I'd probably lose my license. I would assume, um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be sitting here saying this. So I'm, I'm saying it as somebody who is not in that field, right? I'm not out advising, you know, I'm not out, I don't have clients in the realm of 
mental health. Because I, I say on here all the time, I'm not a doctor. I'm just talking about myself here. Um, but I do think that I have that comorbidity. Um, I've never been diagnosed with it. I've never been diagnosed with superiority or inferiority complex. I don't even know if that is a diagnosis. Um, you know, sometimes they can call it a God complex when you talk about superiority. But like I said, I, I've asked more than one doctor, do I have narcissistic personality disorder or am I a narcissist? And they're always very strongly say no. They very, they're very adamant about that. And I'm like, okay, so that's, that's a very important piece of the puzzle there. Cause usually, you know, narcissism a lot of times go, goes in line with that so-called God complex. And again, I don't think I have that, you know, so I think that they're right, but I do think that I struggle with the other things, which I think makes perfect sense, the superiority and inferiority complex. Cause like I've said over and over and over on this podcast, one of my biggest triggers is feelings of incompetence. And another one is when people's behavior doesn't make sense. And so that can either make you feel very inferior if you're not understanding things and you're feeling incompetent, or if you decide to rise above it and think that you are the special being who has almost, I don't want to say special powers, but like there's something else divine going on um, for whatever reason that leads to that superiority. That's a way of like spiritually um, overriding everything. It's like a get out of jail free pass. Um, so, you know, I think it all makes perfect sense, you know, especially when I talk to you guys about what my two main triggers are. Um, I think it makes sense that that's, those are the core comorbidities that I think I have. And again, I've never been diagnosed with them, but you know, I've definitely talked about them with um, therapists and I've never specifically asked a therapist, do I have a superiority or inferiority complex, but maybe I'll ask my therapist tomorrow. You know, maybe I'll just ask her and see what she says, but I don't know that I'm necessarily there for that reason. So I don't know if that's something that she would even diagnose. And I don't know that that's something that doctors diagnose at all anyway. Um, client has superiority complex. Like, I don't know that that's something that you diagnose. It just might be client feels sad today, you know? Um, but in regards to the superiority aspect, that was kind of the thing that I've, I was talking about that I've never really mentioned on here before. Um, that I would say is different from the clairvoyant. It's different from the dreams that I've talked about on here before. Um, that superiority complex I definitely had going on when I was in the mental hospital. And again, I, I'm not going to say specifically a certain thing I believe about myself because I, I still believe it. I still think it's true. Um, I would say it's something that protects me and it's something that I think about that's, it's, it's guiding me through what's happening. Um, so everything that's happening to me is happening for a reason from, you know, the, the guy that lived in my house 
to the neighbor who looked exactly like me that I'd never met before, um, to trying to end my life. And then the next day I'm led to the grave of the guy that I wrote my paper about. And it all connects back to a very specific thing. And I know what it is and it's, it's me, but it's something else going on with me. Um, so it's, that's what I think the comorbidity is. Um, it's almost like a uniting of the superiority and inferiority complexes. If there is such a thing as those two things uniting. Um, but I think it makes perfect sense that that would be a comorbidity in relation to complex PTSD. Cause like I've said over and over, I think the big trigger, which some people refer to as, um, like fear of failure, you know, all those things, negative self-concept. I call that one of my main triggers is feelings of, um, incompetence. You know, that's the big thing that I call that. So I think it all makes sense when you really look at it, but I wanted to share that because I do think that I have that comorbidity. So if those two complexes could ever be united, the superiority and inferiority. I don't know what that would be called. Maybe there is a name for it, but that's what I think I have. I think that those two things are united and it's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing is what I think. Um, in regards to, you know, just feelings I have about myself. So I wanted to share that. And again, I don't know if I'll ever really talk about this again. So, um, there you go. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.